Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 126. How's it going? Happy Thanksgiving, belated. Haven't talked to you since I think November 11th or so. It's December 4th. Lots gone on. Whew. It's pretty late on Sunday on my three-day weekend. I have been doing a lot of stuff. Um, I had to go do a bunch of Christmas shopping and errands like that on Friday. And I had to go get a router. <laughs> uh, I have been... <laughs> I have been fabricating a foot pedal. Uh, those of you that read the daily email know about my journey into making a foot pedal for my toilet seat. It's awesome. Uh, it's awesome on a lot of levels. Obviously, my wife is pleased. Um, for those of you that don't remember or know, I have a congenital neck disease. My I was born with my neck fused three vertebrae, and one of the side effects of that is that I get headaches whenever I bend over. So I've never been very fond of uh, lifting up the toilet seat. It took a long time to realize what was going on. Um, for years, Emma thought it was weird. I wanted everything at counter height. I didn't want to bend over. Um, and, you know, I can bend over, like, with my knees, keeping my neck straight, and it's fine. But that's a weird way to bend over to lift up a toilet seat. So I found myself for years subconsciously not wanting to bend over. And I didn't really realize or put it together that it's because I always get these headaches when I bend over. And one of the... Uh, results of that was that I'm very, very bad about lifting up toilet seats. And I really wanted to fix this because it's kind of a lame thing to do when you're in a cohabitation situation. So I've always dreamed of getting a foot pedal that I could press and I could raise and lower the toilet seat. And I wrote about this and my friend Grace in Seattle found somebody on Amazon that fabricates these out of steel. <laughs> and so I bought one instantly and it's pretty good. I give the thing like a B plus. Um, it's a little bit hard to install for a couple of reasons. Uh, it you have to screw it into the toilet seat, and which means you have to get it in the exact right spot because you don't want the toilet seat to go all the way up the straight because then it won't come back down. Um, but you need to make sure that it's lifted up enough that you aren't peeing on it. And so that took some work, and then it's got screws for that, so I screwed it into the toilet seat. And then you're supposed to screw it into the floor as well, but I can't screw it in. I mean, I could, but I don't want to because I have porcelain tile. And it would be a whole giant thing. I mean, I could do it. I could get like tile drill bits. I could put tape there and, you know, slowly drill into the tile and then get into the wood below it. But I don't really want to do that. So I just, I got that worked out using uh, like thick, hardcore double stick tape. And it's it's holding very well. So that's great. And then the last problem with the thing is that the, the, the pedal itself is just a one and a half inch by one and a half inch piece of steel. Hold on, my mom's calling. All right, mom's well. Lovely Thanksgiving there. 18 people in her little apartment in Fairbanks, Alaska. Sounds like it was a good time. Uh, looks like she might be visiting this winter. Pretty exciting. I do need to go up there, but I am going to be going up there next summer in June, it's looking like. Probably. Almost certainly. Anyway, the pedal's only like one and a half inch by one and a half inch steel, eighth inch thick, and it is just, it hurts your foot. It's dumb. So I have been fabricating a pedal uh, out of wood. And it's kind of, you know, it's more complicated than you think because, A, 
and the pedal in its raised position is at an angle so when you step on it you need it to have like the wood can't just be a piece of wood because you'd be stepping on the corner and so you know i had to get a router and a round over bit so i did that and then I, I you know i cut the pedal size and then i rounded i routed all the edges with a one and a half inch round over bit so it's nice and rounded and so when you step on it when it's at an angle you're stepping on the round part and then you push it down to flat and then I had to drill the hole and then I had to countersink the hole so that the head of the screw was recessed below the pedal because it's going to get upholstered. And then on the bottom, I had to route out where the steel pedal is. So it sits recessed into the wooden pedal so that it gets more stability left right and kind of like if you press it in a weird angle it won't just like be really relying, relying on the screw so that was fun i used my dremel and i had to get new dremel bits because i only had like a bunch of sanding bits so bought a bunch of dremel bits i'm buying so many bits oh my god router bits dremel bits and i had to buy a whole new set of drill bits after i would get to that part of the story uh and then i i, I routed out the whole part of the where the pedal goes into the wood. Um, I could have used my router, but the router bits weren't here yet. I just had the one round over bit so far. So I was like, well, I have this Dremel and I need Dremel bits anyway. So I got a nice little Dremel bit set, uh, Dremel bit set, cheap one just from Walmart. You know, I've had the Dremel forever. And then I had to drill the hole through the wood, which is easy. And then through the steel, quarter inch steel, eighth inch steel. So, you know, I, and it has to be like five sixteenths wide. It, and it took so long and I broke like three bits and I was like doing oil and going slow and steady and using three drills because they would all overheat <laughs> like it just took like two and a half hours but I got through it's done and now the pedal is painted it's drying and then my wife is going to upholster it for me with some rubber and then I will bolt it on and I will have a better foot pedal and then the whole thing will be it's awesome I'm very excited about it oh geez yeah i've been doing a lot of like diy and crafts uh my friend jesse made me a clock like 30 years ago and i still have it and it's made out of like old books like book covers and, and spines and then uh the, the 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 clock mechanism on the thing broke easily 20 years ago it's just been broken but it's been very pretty it was a good decorative wall decoration and i had it in sort of my nostalgia closet which I don't think I've ever talked about on here, but I have a nostalgia closet and it's just covered floor to ceiling and old photos and stuff. Cause you know, people don't, you know, in your house, it's weird, right? When you're young, your friends, you know, your pictures on your wall are of your friends and then you get married and it like turns into family stuff. And Emma's like, I don't need a bunch of pictures of like dudes you drank with in college. Like, I'm like, yeah, all right, fair enough. So like, <laughs> I have this closet off of the library where I keep my CDs and all the walls are just covered with old photos. It used to be up in my house, you know, it's kind of fun. Anyway, and this clock is in there because uh actually the clock is anyway the clock fell off the wall and one of the book spines that makes up the face of the clock broke off so emma hot glued that back onto it for me because i am useless with hot glue guns i mean i just never learned how i really got it. it's on my list now uh, but then I realized I was walking through Walmart the other day and I noticed they sell clock mechanisms. And I'm like, why have I never fixed this clock? It's just a broken clock mechanism. It's not like they're expensive or hard to use. So I just bought one and I just leave the instruction on the back of the clock mechanism. I don't know. It was like this block in my brain. I'm like, well, the hands, they got to go on the little spinny thing somehow. It's too hard. But of course, when you buy a clock mechanism, it comes in a package and the package tells you the order to put the hands on. It was so dumb. So I just bought this clock mechanism for like five bucks. Emma fixed the spine of this book and 
uh, I put a new clock mechanism on it and now it works. And so I've taken it out of the nostalgia closet and I've put it in my room, this room that I'm in, my studio, my main office. And it's like right where I can see it. So I have an analog clock and it makes a ticking sound. I love it. It's like tick, 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 because it's got a second hand and it makes me very happy. I'm very happy about my analog clock that I've owned for 30 years and I fixed up and that was great. Uh, we also did a giant garage reorg. That was super, super fun. <laughs> um, Emma and I had both been thinking about this since I got the lightning, where like we had a hurricane warning a few weeks ago and we couldn't get both cars in the garage anymore. My truck is too long for the way that we had the garage organized because at the end of the garage, we had these like two and a half foot deep like industrial shelves. And so the truck wouldn't fit in the garage the way we had it laid out. So we both came to the same conclusion that we needed to move the shelves to the side of the garage. We had avoided doing that because there's a window there, but the window's frosted over and Emma had decided she doesn't care anymore. And we were going to try it. So, but you know, the shelves are filled with just so much stuff there. They have like oh, tile, paint cans, 20 paint cans, like tile, uh, soda cases, a lot of outdoor power equipment, uh, just so much stuff and like a lot of heavy stuff, the tile especially. Oh my God. So we had to take everything off the shelves and then we had to clear out the space where the shelves are going to go. They had to move the shelves and we put the shelves back on the shelves. And then, so we did that. That took like two weekends. And then finally we got that far and then we could pull the truck in and see if it would even fit. And it did. So then at the end of the garage where the shelves were before, we had this giant empty wall at the far right of the wall is where our workbench is and it's got a bunch of pegboard above it so but emma's never loved the pegboard because it's behind the workbench and the workbench is like 24 inches deep and she can't she can barely reach the bottom of the pegboard let alone up high so i took that pegboard and i extended it past the workbench and down i bought a bunch of new pegboard it's this wall control stuff it's awesome it's like sheet metal sheets you put on your wall it's got regular pegboards and it's got like their own proprietary system that's much more it'll hold like 50 pounds on one hook it's amazing um and so i bought like i don't know we had some extras that were in another place that we moved when we moved the shelves. And then I bought like five or six more and I made a whole new area for all her stuff that has shelves that she could reach. And then I just reorganized the whole thing. And then we ran two, two by fours from the end of that to the end of the wall on the back of the garage and put a bunch of hooks there and put all our brooms and, you know, extension cords. I got the like blower up there, my tripod for making videos, uh, the, the 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 tiller the hoses the, a bike you know i just got it all up against the wall on the wall and it looks so great it's so well organized it took three weekends to do and now i don't park my truck in the garage day to day but when there's a storm i can pull in and it'll fit so that was super super satisfying as well um just yeah a lot of like home improvement and diy stuff i've been organizing you know i got that new workbench and that's all organized now and then the one upstairs is organized now it's been great it's been very very satisfying thanksgiving was lovely i did all the baking cooking i did all of it except for the baking actually i didn't bake the pie janet baked the pie but i made the turkey and the stuffing and the mashed potatoes and the corn and the green beans and the beets and I don't remember what else I made. 12 quarts of turkey broth afterwards. I, oh yeah, it was delicious. Everything came out great. I used potatoes from the garden and beets from the garden and carrots from the garden. Stewed carrots had those. Oh, so good. Cook them in the bottom of the roasting pan. Oh my God, delicious. Um, and rosemary from the garden and thyme and oregano and no sage. My sage fell die like midsummer. So. Uh, but I, I, I did not have enough of any of those things. I have the rosemary and 
in time I had enough of. But like the potatoes, the carrots, I had enough of beets to make a serving of beets. That was cool. That came out of the garden. Um, I didn't cook them very well, but the beets made it. Uh, and I had some potatoes in the potatoes, and I had some uh, carrots in the carrots. So I, you know, I'm making progress. Like I'm slowly getting things from the garden into my Thanksgiving meal. It is pretty exciting. I'm into it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was good. And then I washed all the dishes, and I just sat there like a like a lump, listening to my Christmas playlist, indie rock Christmas playlist, while Emma set up the tree, and then I watched Jane and Emma decorate the tree. I put a couple ornaments on, you know, I participated. But it was lovely. It was a lovely holiday. And uh, I did my Thanksgiving tradition, get five days off, and I rewatched uh, the extended versions of Fellowship of the Ring and The Two Towers. So that was pretty exciting. Just great. Just great. Oh, lovely time. Lovely time. Sad to be back at work. But what are you going to do? Work is fun. Jane is lovely. She's doing a lot of reading. She reads these chapter book series, you know, like uh, when I was a kid, it was like Hardy Boys and Encyclopedia Brown, but she reads like Junie P. Jones and Judy Moody and Ivy and Bean and these kind of books. And she like acts them all out. She's probably reading it like, you know, Janet used to be an elementary school teacher. She thinks she's reading at like a second or third grade level. And it's crazy. I mean, she just, there's just no words that stop her. And they're obviously pretty simple books, but she just reads and reads and reads. And I was really worried because, you know, she didn't like us reading to her for a long time. We could occasionally, but she was never really a kid that like wanted us to read stories to her. And now she's just, just kicked in and she reads all the time. And it's really, really nice. She's still drawing. She drew me a lovely picture of a Hello Kitty today. Uh, she's drawing girls now, too, which is cool, not just kitties. <laughs> now she's drawing girls with kitties, which is just the best. Oh, my God, it's all so cute. And, uh, yeah, she's good. She had a, she's been stubbornly avoiding peeing, so she's had two accidents now. Three. She peed in bed one night because I forgot to make her pee before bed because it's not easy to make somebody pee when they don't want to. Uh, and then twice with Emma where she like insisted she didn't need to and then immediately wet her pants and so uh but we we worked it out like we had a talk and she's like I don't want you to remind me to pee in the morning I want to remember myself and ever since we've had that talk it's been working pretty well and she's been peeing in the morning so hopefully we got that under control um yeah man I like my daughter she sits with me and watches videos and we snuggle and it's really nice. And she, we play Legos together. Oh, she's really into, she's doing somersaults and learning cartwheels. She was doing monkey jumps, she did the crab walk and the frog jump. And now she's trying to do cartwheels and she's pretty close. She doesn't really understand the concept of momentum yet. So I gotta, actually, uh, every morning she's like, talk to me and she wants to learn something. And I have to think of a topic to teach her about that day. We've done trust and standardization <laughs> I taught her about the ISO <laughs> because you know she's doing the why thing it's how come for her but she's doing the why thing and I was like well that's because it's a standard it's an international standard she's like why I'm like well because of so we learned about USB A and C and quarter and eighth inch audio and <laughs> she's like what else is standardized I mean electricity is standardized <laughs> like all this stuff. oh that was a fun one uh, trust um I don't know, but I guess, yeah, momentum. I'll work on momentum tomorrow. I, every day I have to think of something like in the morning. She's very into cars these days. Very into cars. She really wants to see a purple car. Every time we go out, she looks for purple cars. And she says her favorite cars are purple cars. <laughs> and she really likes uh, uh, our neighbor's red minivan, which I think she's just being difficult because I told her I didn't really like minivans. 
But uh, yeah, she's awesome. It's, it's going well. She screams at me a lot still this morning. She was screaming like, I was just like, why do you scream at me? Don't scream at me. Please don't scream. At me. Just be nice. And she's just like, Wah. and I'm like, oh, geez. She did not like that I was working on drilling that hole because <laughs> it took me like all morning to drill this stupid hole. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, work is good. Uh, yeah, I got some new revenue records on the Nimbus side. Pretty exciting. Really going for 3x growth this year. That's my goal. We're at about 2.5x growth right now. And December's the, uh, usually the best month. Well, it's definitely the best month for Time Hop. It's not necessarily the best month for Nimbus. Um, but yeah, I'd love to get the 3x growth. That's my goal, if I can tell you. So uh, I just did the insurance renewals, all very exciting. Did the privacy policy update for the year. Did a lot of year-end tasks like that. Uh, the audit, the SOC audit is done. The financial audit from last year is done. Um, insurance, oh, pri uh, privacy shield renewals, European stuff. Um, all very exciting. Let me tell you, very exciting stuff. Yeah. And then gardening, you know, gardening's mostly done. I blew out the irrigation system. <laughs> I took off the automated irrigation watering thing, disconnected it from the, the, the water system, and I put my mouth on it. I just blew it out. <laughs> uh, and then I cut back my peppers. They're overwintering. Um, I figured out where I'm going to put the grape trellis, but I need my contractor neighbor friend to undo uh, do a trench and run a water line to another part of our yard that doesn't have water so oh, oh man i got like a leg cut i think i ugh, i'm so wounded from all this home improvement anyway i'm bleeding i'll be right back all right all right all set there <laughs> don't know where that wound came from i also have a giant like three inch long scabbed scar on my arm from when i flipped the turkey and accidentally bumped my arm against the roasting pan that hurt <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm the kind of guy that likes to flip my bird man i'm a bird flipper i am I'm, I'm old school people i don't know people don't like to do that anymore spatchcocking all that stuff not me not me I flipped the bird still. What can I say? All right. Well, uh, yeah. Oh, then one other thing I wanted to mention is that uh, I got that new Kindle Scribe. And it's pretty awesome. It is a large format Kindle. It's about a 10-inch screen. And it has a, a stylus so you can take notes and use it as a notepad as well. But for my purposes, the most important thing is that you can annotate PDFs which is awesome. You can email a PDF to it, open up the PDF, read it full screen and not, you know, be annoyed with it like you would on a normal Kindle or on your phone. Uh, you can do this on an iPad, obviously, but this is a lot lighter than the iPad and it's just easier. You just open up the PDF and you read it and you can just write on it. And it's like, it's, it's a nice writing surface. It feels really good. You can use a highlighter, you can type notes, you can write notes. And then when you're done, there's just a button and it just emails it back to yourself. And it's really lovely. It is missing a few features that I would love. Um, other ones of these, like it's basically like the remarkable, if you know what that is, or the books. Um, but one thing that they do that this one can't do is like, you can't remove the margins and zoom in you can you can pinch and zoom on a page but you can't stay there when you turn pages you have to zoom out turn the page zoom back in that's kind of annoying and they need to fix that and uh 
so one of the other ones you can take like academic documents which has very small text and two columns in a pdf and you can divide the page into four and you can read it one two three four and make it bigger text because i'm kind of blind but the thing is big enough that you can read a pdf full page and you can read it so i do like to zoom in um and also you can't hold it sideways which is annoying i want to be able to hold it sideways but i think i'm I'm hoping all that's coming and even with all that it's the best method of reading pdfs and annotating them that i have found yet so just came out strong medium to strong recommend on it if you're looking for something like that in your life it's pretty awesome Let's move on to the media report. Uh, so my friend, Paul, and listener of the Web Chatham Report uh, <laughs> texted me a few weeks ago, and he was like, you know, I'm always listening to you talk about ripping these Blu-rays. Do you want me to just send you a box of all these Blu-rays and you could rip them? And I was like, that is extremely up my alley. So he did. He mailed me a box, and I ripped them all. I have two left. They're actually DVDs that are left, the, the uh, Alan Partridge show and... Memento, which it's the Memento with the cool menus, but I don't think I can rip it in a way that does that. So I don't think I, might, I don't know what I'm gonna do with that one. I'm still trying to figure that out. But I ripped all the rest, and uh, a lot, of, only two or three of them I actually had, and um, a lot of them I have watched or wanted to watch, but didn't have. It was kind of amazing. So all of these are newly up in Plex. The Big TNT Show and The Tammy Show. Now I had not heard of these, but they are like these big rock festival shows that happened in the 60s in New York or in LA and just tons of amazing artists played them. They're in black and white, early 60s, I think 61. Uh, and they're really great. And uh, I had never heard of them. So that's pretty exciting. I'm going to watch those. Um, Chef, Far From the Madding Crowd, which I've seen and is a great movie. Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, these are all 1080p. He only had a couple 4Ks, but that's okay because most of these I didn't have. I didn't have Nightmare Before Christmas. That's kind of stunning. Um, yeah, Pearl Jam 20, which I, you know, I didn't like Pearl Jam until like two years ago. So <laughs> even though I saw them 20 some years ago on their first tour, well, first full American tour. Uh, anyway, yeah, Fantastic Mr. Fox also didn't already have kind of weird. Great movie. Uh, All About Eve, 1950. What's Up Doc, 1972. Inglorious Bastards did not have. Kill Bill 1 and 2 did not have, which is weird. I thought I did. Lee on the Professional, ditto, didn't have. Thought I did. Loved that movie. Uh, the Searchers, John Wayne film, I already did have, but it was 720p, so now it's up there in 1080p. David Fincher's Zodiac did not have. It's up there now in 1080p. Night of the Dragon, Chimes at Midnight, Orson Welles film, Oceans 11 and 13, but not 12. Come on, Paul. That's just a tease. I've seen those, but I did not have them, so those are up there now. Moonstruck in 1080p did not have. Haven't, I think I need to rewatch Moonstruck. I sing that song all the time. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie. And whenever the moon's big, I go, it's Cosmo's moon. But I haven't seen that film since I was like a kid. Uh, the Killing, Moneyball, Elf. Did not have Elf. Did not have Moneyball. Killer's Kiss, 1955. Casablanca, I already had it, but in 720p. Godfather, I already had that in 1080. So that one, I might even have that in 4K. So that was the one. Oh, and uh, Knives Out, he sent me in 4K, but I already had that up there in 4K. Forrest Gump in 1080. Letters to Juliet in 1080. Philadelphia Story, original, 1940, up in 1080. To Be or Not to Be, 1942. 
1080, Charlie Varick, 1973, in 1080, Homicidal, 1961, in 1080, The Innocents, 1961, in 1080, Erg, A Music War. That's pretty, it looks pretty cool. I gotta watch it. It's like new wave era music. I think The Police, Blondie, stuff like that. It looks really good. Uh, Police Story 1 and 2, Jackie Chan films, and 13 Ghosts. Uh, yeah, hold on, I gotta cough. And he sent me some notes about some of them, so I'm going to read those to you. The Police police Story is one of Jackie Chan's biggest hits and is often regarded as his best film. It led to a three sequels, including the fantastic Super Cop with Michelle Yao. Two spinoffs and two reboots. Uh, I have seen some of those other ones, but I hadn't seen the originals. I actually started Police Story 1 since I ripped it the other day. Erg Music Wars, a bunch of new wave post-punk music shot in August and September of 1980. The album was released in 81 with the movie in 82. It's not well shot, but the acts are wonderfully diverse. The Innocence is a fantastic adaptation of the Henry James ghost story. I did not know that. Script by Truman Capote. I'm going to watch that. Homicidal is a Schlockmeister William Castle ripoff of Psycho. Castle's movies often had a gimmick. This movie had the fright break. I watched this. It was great. <laughs> it was so hilarious and funny. I'm not funny. It is a, it, it's actually pretty well done, and I did not see the twist coming, and uh, there's a good twist, so... You know, I homicidal. It's kind of good. Charlie Varick is a great bank heist movie from director Don Siegel with Walter Matthau as one of his rare roles as the bad guy. I got to see that. I think I saw something else. Oh, with Walter Matthau. No, no, never mind. Uh, to Be or Not to Be is a wonderful comedy from director Ernest Lubish. It was Carol Lombard's last movie as she died in a plane crash before its release. Whoa. Interestingly, it was produced before the U.S. entered World War II, but was released in February... 1942 by which time the u.s was fully in at the time some thought some thought making a comedy about the nazis was in poor taste oh geez uh, i might watch that <laughs> uh the philadelphia story is amazing cast jimmy stewart Cary grant Catherine hepburn my favorite performer is virginia weedler who i feel steals every scene she's in Killer's Kiss was only, oh yeah, Stanley Kubrick, right, yeah, it was only Stanley Kubrick's second feature in his boxing noir film. It was followed by the crime film The Killing, which is also up there, the, the DVD has both of them, or the Blu-ray, which features a script from the novelist Jim Thompson, known for the books uh, The Grifters and The Getaway. So yeah, that's up there. Chimes of Midnight is Orson Welles' take on Shakespeare's Falstaff. Uh, Night of the Demon, a.k.a. Curse of the Demon, is a wonderful horror film from the great Jacques Tournay. Known for the original Cat People. <laughs> okay. Searchers, yeah. John John Ford, John Wayne, Best Western. Kill Bill, of course, we know that. The Tarantino film, and Glorious Basterly on The Professional. Yeah, we know all that. Oh, it's a director's cut. That's cool. Um, Pearl Jam 20 is made by Cameron Crowe. I did not know that. That's interesting. What's up, Doc? Is Peter Bogdanovich's uncredited remake of Bringing Up Baby. So those are all up there. Inplex, drop a line if you want to check out my Plex. In addition to those, I've added a few other things. I added the Dennis Hopper film, Out of the Blue, from 1981 in 4K. I rewatched that. It is crazy. That is a crazy film. Yeah, rewatched it a couple of this in the last two weeks. Nuts, man. I'd forgotten about that film. Dark ending. Very dark ending. Uh, Cloak and Dagger. 1984, Dabney Coleman, Atari, 4K, love it. Quality film, one of my favorites when I was a kid. Of course, I was 12 when they made a movie about spies in Atari. Uh, it was the best. I just added Benedetta, uh, Paul Verhoeven's new lesbian nun film from last year. I'm very excited to see that. I haven't watched it yet. And I am working on the 4K versions of the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings films. Uh, 
I started, you know, <laughs> I was like, it's my holiday tradition. I'm going to rewatch these films. And I went to my Plex to watch Fellowship Extended. And I did not have Fellowship Extended in 4K. And I was very disappointed with myself. I was like, I can't believe I'm watching this in 1080p like some plea. But then I remembered I also had bought it a long time ago on uh, Apple iTunes. And Apple iTunes updates your films. If you bought them in 720p or 1080p or even SD and now it's out in 4K, you get it in 4K for free. So my Lord of the Rings trilogy extended in Apple iTunes is 4K. Now, I don't like to rely on that. Because someday in a post-apocalyptic world when I'm living in a bunker with my Plex server and there's no internet, I need to have my 4K Lord of the Rings. So I need a local copy on my server as well as backed up to my Backblaze and offsite storage unit copy. So I bought the 4K box set with my free Amazon points from my credit card and it came and I've ripped Return of the King and that is going up this weekend, hopefully. Uh, and then I will go back and rip uh, Fellowship and Two Towers because I already watched them and I'm not watching them again for a year. So I got time to rip those. But I'm going to watch Return of the King to finish my holiday tradition when I get to my Christmas break in two weeks, three weeks. So I got to do that one first. So that's going up there right now as well. Whew. Yeah. A lot of movies. Only sold three things on Discogs in the last three weeks. Just this morning, I sold Spell is the name of the band. Big Red Balloon is the name of the single. It is a CD single. Spell was a band that featured Boyd Rice, the noise musician from Non. And uh, what's her name? Rose McGowan from Strawberry Switchblade. They had a band together called Spell. And it kind of like did a lot of sort of like 50s pop covers. And they did Seasons in the Sun, which is great. And I really liked Spell. Boyd is kind of a problematic individual, to say the least. I <laughs> uh, used to date my friend Lisa, had a kid, Wolfgang, lovely boy, love him. He's actually an adult now. Uh, I've known him since he was a child. Anyway, uh, but I've never known Boyd. I don't know where we're going with any of that. Anyway, I sold the CD single, so that's out of my life now. Uh, New Atlantis. A compilation CD from Space Age Records, Sonic Boom's label, had Bowery Electric, Jessamine, Sonic Boom. Great, great space rock uh, compilation. I love it. I ripped to that, and I gave it a re-listen. I was like, yeah, man, this is awesome. I haven't listened to that in a long time. And then Hayden, Canadian singer-songwriter, uh, Skyscraper National Park, which I think is his third album, maybe his fourth. Uh, somebody bought that. I love Hayden. He's awesome. He's on tour in Canada right now. He's got a new album coming out. Very excited. Hayden's the best. I've only seen him a couple times. Got to see him at, what was it, uh, Glasslands or 285 Kent? One of the two rooms uh, over there on Kent Ave in Williamsburg back in the day. Oh, those two venues were so awesome. I think it was 285 Kent. Yeah. Anyway, great room. Oh, I miss those places. Sigh. Anyway, those are the only sales I made on Discogs. I didn't, did not go to a show in the last three weeks, which is very sad. Uh, I only got three pieces of vinyl in the last three weeks, which you should be very proud of me. I got the Sonic, new Sonic Boom and Panda Bear record called Reset. It's pretty awesome. Good space. But yeah, speak of Sonic Boom, right? We just mentioned him. Uh, he makes records with Panda Bear now from Animal Collective, and they're pretty good. And this is their second or third album together. I don't remember. Um, but that was awesome. And then I bought two old albums. Uh, well, interestingly, they're both old reissues. They're both reissues from 2017, coincidentally, and then the albums are older. One of them is The Sundays. I finally got a copy of their third and final album, Static and Silence. 
on vinyl, clear vinyl, 2017 reissue, paid a mint for it, but I have no regrets. And I got a very quite shockingly affordable 2017 reissue of St. Etienne's album, Finisterra, which I think came out in like 2005 or so. I remember that tour. I saw him at Axis with Sean and Jesse. It was awesome. Man, that was a good show. Um, anyway, yeah, so I got both of those. I feel really good about that. I have a bunch of stuff coming, um, but those are the only three that I bought in the last three weeks. So I'm very proud of myself. Uh, I did get a CD. Actually, got a couple CDs. I got Cindy Talk's new album. Cindy Talk, of course, is uh, Cindy, formerly Gordon Sharp of This Mortal Coil. And we brought Cindy Talk to America for a tour in 1996. Uh, did most of the tour with Bowery Electric and then the second half with Trance of the Sun. It was great. Uh, crazy time. Been friends with the band for quite some time. I've spoken about them before, as well as the loss of their amazing drummer, Paul Middleton, who died a few years back. But uh, there's a new Cindy Talk album. Once again, Cindy does not sing, which makes me sad. It is instrumental, uh, but it's great. And it's only on CD, which is sad. But I bought it anyway off of her band camp, and I love it. I got the... Oh, this is exciting. So, Underground Lovers the Australian shoegaze band that I've been obsessed with since 1992. They are re-releasing a few of their albums on vinyl that didn't ever come out on vinyl in the 90s, and uh, I ordered those. They haven't arrived yet, but I also got a T-shirt for Leaves Me Blind, which is my favorite album of theirs. Ivo from 4AD had a side label. 4AD had a side label. It's called Guernica Records. It's where it's kind of at the end of his reign of 4AD, where 4AD was this huge thing. It had an American office, and the Pixies and everything were all really big, and they were trying to like do big, big, good-selling rock stuff, and Ivo just wanted to get back to his roots of putting out albums of people he liked that were smaller, and so he had this Guernica label. He put out an Unrest record. He put out an Insides record, uh, and he put out this Underground Lovers record. It leaves me blind which I love, and uh, but they made a t-shirt for it. They reissued it, but I already own, I don't know, two copies of the vinyl, something, I, just, I don't know, maybe even three. It's, it's bad. But uh, they put out a really nice t-shirt for it, and so I ordered that. They, none of this stuff's in America, man. You got to order it all from Australia. <laughs> Constant arm and leg. I ordered an Underground Lovers t-shirt a couple years ago, and it just says Underground Lovers, and it's a thick, heavy cotton, which I don't really love, but this one has the... The, the the graphic design from Leaves Me Blind and it's like thinner cotton. I love it. It's beautiful. And it came with a free CD single, an old CD single. There's the EP In My Head, which I did not have. So I was very, very excited about that. I have two reissues coming on vinyl from them from Australia, but they're going to, it'll probably take months for them to get here. Okay. And then the albums I listened to this three week period Boot Blacks, Thin Skies. That's a great record. Cynthia Guitar Goth. Loved it. Aghast. Hexerei im Zweilicht die Finisteris. Ambient Metal. That's all I got to say about that. It was awesome. Ambient Metal. Great record. Yet another Salt record. S-A-U-L-T. Their seventh record of the year. Eleven. Also very good. Very into it. Cindy Talk, I already mentioned, new album, Subterminal. Brad Lehner, of, formerly of Medicine, actually, and currently of Medicine. I ordered a Medicine vinyl, Drugs. It's not here yet, but ordered a new reissue of that on Bandcamp Friday as well. But anyway, he posted on his Bandcamp two Experimental Noise albums uh, with titles in French. Savourant la défaite de mes ennemis. 
and une prière. I don't know what that means. Une prière pour la fin de la grande vie fête. So a something for the end of the big old party. So I don't know. I don't know what prière is. My French is very rusty. Uh, Barry Lipman is a soundtrack composer, and I got listened to the soundtrack to Sex World, which was a 4K 70s Blu-ray sex amusement park caper movie that I bought. <laughs> I mentioned that last week. Listen, it came with a it's a nice deluxe box, and it came with a CD of the soundtrack. So I listened to it, and it's awesome. 70s bomb chicka wah wah music. Uh, Leah Callahan, who is a Boston Bostonian musician, old friend of mine. She used to be in Turkish Delight and Betwixt, two bands that were on my old record label, the Arch Enemy Record Company. She has three albums that she has put out in the last year. Short Stories, Simple Folk, and the one that just came, up, uh, came out last month, Cut Ups. So I listened to them all. I didn't realize she had three albums. Uh, and I noticed on her Facebook she was talking about it. So they're great. I like them all. It's like a little bit less noisy than Turkish Delight was. And, you know, uh, it doesn't have the cello like Betwixt. So, but it still has her like, you know, interesting lyrical storytelling and kind of quirky point of view. And I like them a lot. They, they made me very nostalgic. I miss Leah now. Uh, the new first aid kit album, Palomino, which was great if you like first aid kit. Some friend of mine told me they didn't like them. I thought that was interesting. I think they're really great. Um, but yeah, I really like that record. I need to give it another listen to. PVA, the album is called Blush, All Cops, is a dark synth pop. I really liked that record. Uh, Paul Natale, another Boston ex musician, he was in Den Mother and maybe some other bands not the damn personals maybe the gentleman oh jeez anyway paul's a great guy married melissa they're a lovely couple uh i haven't seen him in a while but the old friend he used to have great parties <laughs> oh i loved it when they had parties uh anyway the album is called paul natale should know better and it's a great record it's uh kind of like power pop but i'm into it uh warmth is the name of the band linger is the name of the album it's ambient with a bit of white noise in it it's really solid don't remember who recommended that but i really enjoyed it uh then a piano-based ambient musician act called deru d-e-r-u and the album is called we will live on and i really like that one piano-based ambient then i gave the new smashing pumpkins a shot it's called atum a-t-u-m all caps uh act one and you know what it was actually all right i still listen to every smashing pumpkins record when they come out and they are generally bad but this one is not bad it has one or two songs i'm like this is a legit jam i'm really into it so he i read an interview with him he's like i'm sorry i was such an asshole for so long i'm not anymore and i think i believe him i don't know it, it read pretty genuine I'm, I'd be I'd be happy to hear that he stopped being an asshole because that was really tedious for like two decades. J.J. Johansson, Swedish synth pop, dark lounge musician that I've been very into for nigh on 20 years. Uh, had lost track of, and it turns out in the time that I had lost track of him, which is probably about six or seven years, he put out four records. And so I listened to them all, and they are all great. Labyrinth, Rorschach, Test, King's Cross, and Bury the Hatchet. I would recommend Rorschach, Test, if you had to pick one. If you had to pick one, I'd recommend his first or second record, Poison or Tattoo. They're great. J.J. Johansson is so awesome. I love him so much. 
he played Mercury Lounge and I was supposed to go and I didn't go for a girl and I regret it. I don't remember what girl, so I can't even take solace in thinking that it was maybe an awesome date. I can't remember. Why didn't that date want to go see J.J. Johansson? I don't know. I'm unaware of him ever coming to America besides that. And I wish I had gone. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, Black Dresses is the name of the band. Waste Isolation, one word, all caps. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's like teen industrial with a woman vocalist, and it's pretty sexy. Very into black dresses. I learned about this from my friend's, I think, 14-year-old transgender child. Maybe 16. I've sort of lost track of their age, but it's awesome. Black dresses, waist isolation. Uh, Lycia, old goth band. My friend John O'Leary mentioned them, and I like went and looked. Yeah, there was one album I hadn't listened to. Maybe I had listened to it back in the day, but I didn't recall, so I listened to it again called Cold. It was great. Old, uh, you know, black tape for a blue girl project type goth music from the early 90s. Very into it. Mary Cassidy and Chris Standring. Blonde is the name of the album. So, Mary Cassidy. There is this band in the 90s, widely mocked as a derivative shoegaze band. They were called Lula Box, L-U-L-A-B-O-X. And I really loved them. They had an album called Full Bleed, and they had a great single. And I just loved it. And the single was called Shine On. And it was like, I'm in rapture, lying in your bed. Anyway, I really loved them. And they've never done anything else. And so I was like, it came on random. It's not on Spotify. Uh, came on random on my iTunes and I was like, what is up with this? So I went to Discogs and I looked at Mary Cassidy and she did a couple albums with this guy, Chris Standring, who is a 70s to now. So he's got to be pretty old at this point. Sort of like soul guitarist is how they describe them, which is not a thing. I really know what that means, a soul guitarist. I don't know. Like, what is he like? play with Simply Red or something. I don't know. But uh, he seems to be of some note in England, mostly a session musician. But anyway, these two got together and they made an album, a couple albums, but only one of them is on Spotify called Blonde. And I was like, well, this is the only other thing by that woman from Lula Box that I can find. So I'm going to listen to it. And it's actually pretty good. I was pretty into it. I mean, it's, you know, just sort of a woman singing along with a guitar guy. But uh, it's cool. Golden Dawn Orchestra. The Gold Album. I love this band. Uh, they are a psych rock band with like eight people in the band. One of the band members, most of the time, he's not always with them, but he's usually with them, uh, is an old wizard guy that just stands in the back and looks like Gandalf and has a staff and stands there and kind of moves around with his staff. And it's fantastic. I've seen them at South by a lot. They're a big thing, big hit with like the Do Stuff crowd and the Hotel Vegas. It's an amazing place over on East 6th. And uh, I love them. My friend Mia is really into them, too. She saw them in New York and reported to me that at the New York show, they did not have the wizard. So that was kind of sad. But Mia and I have been into this band for like six or seven years now. So they have a new album. And it's actually weirdly electronic and doesn't sound like them. But it's kind of cool and kind of groovy in its own way. But it was not the Golden Dawn Orchestra that I remember from the old days. It was more synthy, which is weird. Uh, Mike Plume Band, Song and Dance, man. Uh, oh, this is from my friend Bill. It was a little generic country for me. I didn't really love that one. It had, it had one or two good songs on it, but, you know, it was okay. Uh, more More, M-O-R-M-O-R, second M capitalized. Semblance is the name of the album. It's kind of mellow, kind of like a, we go on one of my W Hotel Lobby things, a little bit glitchy. Vocals sound like that guy, Shamir, and uh, it's pretty good. Really liked More More. Start a lot of tracks on that one, actually. Uh, Don Hilsinger and Caroline Beattie. 
Oh, yeah. Some friend of mine sent me this. Two friends of his. I don't know who they are. Don Hilsinger, Doug Hilsinger and Caroline Beattie covered uh, Brian Eno's Taking Tiger Mountain by Strategy. So I just listened to that. It was a very good, well done cover. Uh, I like their interpretations. Different, you know, Third Uncle's on that album. And you know, I'm very used to his version and the Bauhaus version, which is very sped up. Theirs is a little bit faster than Eno's, but not as fast as the Bauhaus one. It kind of worked. It kind of worked. A unique, new, interesting take on Taking Tiger Mountain by Strategy. Ruth minimal synth pop oh yeah right yeah oh yeah so uh sam valenti does that herb sundays playlist where he gets different people and he got this woman veronica who runs a synth label in brooklyn to do one and i knew most of the bands on there but not all and this is the next two are bands that i learned about from there that i did not know ruth and colder ruth had a I think it's three EPs, but it's called Polaroid slash Roman slash photo. And it was awesome. And then Colder had an album called again, and they're both minimal synth pop, minimalist synth pop kind of gothy. And I really liked them both. They were awesome. Sua again, S U A is the name of the band. Spotify shoegaze. Uh, Spotify recommended it to me when I posted one of my shoegaze playlists. It's from 2013. I really liked it. Uh, slowly more Spotify shoegaze. This was from 2017, a little bit darker. The band, the album was called reveal band was called slowly. They were both really good. I feel like I might be getting to the bottom of the shoegaze Spotify. Well, when I post the shoegaze playlist now, I recognize most of the shoegaze bands at the bottom where I used to not know any of them, uh, tight boys from way back when (laughs) such a good band name. Uh, the album's called Lend You a Hand. My friend Michael Dickerson, when he posted his, you know, that Spotify Fest meme that went around, I saw this band name and I was like, I don't know what those are. That's a great band name. So I listened to it and it's like kind of like a hilarious hard rock band. It's really great. It reminds me of the Lard song, 70s Rock Must Die. It's awesome. Uh, Christine, oh yeah. And then Christine McVie died. That was very sad. Emma and I went to see Fleetwood Mac in 2014 with her and she was one of my first crushes. And she's an amazing songwriter. And I did not, I had never listened to the Christine Perfect album or the Christine McVie solo album. So Christine Perfect is her main name, was her first record. She was an established musician before she joined Fleetwood Mac. Um, so yeah, I listened to both of those, Christine Perfect and Christine McVie. Very sad. Oh, and I listened to the Christine McVie and Lindsey Buckingham album, which I forgot to mention here, but I should write that down. That was good, actually. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. And then uh, Converge and Chelsea Wolf, Blood Moon One, kind of like metal goth, uh, came from my friend Amy. And that was pretty awesome as well. So that's all the music I listened to in the last three weeks. Pretty good for a holiday week in there. TV, Andor's done. Definitely the best show of the year. If it wasn't Star Wars, everybody would think it was the best show of the year. So good. Very satisfying ending. Very. That last episode was intense. Although I think the one before it was better. But I'm very much looking forward to another season. Uh, Finished Great British Bake Off. Honestly, this season I was just like, I don't know who any of these people are. (laughs) Even by the end, I couldn't remember their names. That's never happened before. I was not as invested. I think I was looking at my phone too much. I feel bad about that. The Peripheral, the William Gibson adaptation of a book that I loved, is not a good adaptation. I watched the latest episode, I think episode 8 last night, and I'm like, it's okay. But they just changed it so much, and it's just like not for the better. And it kind of bums me out. Uh, the Crown was depressing. What a depressing season. And it's going to get worse because, spoilers, Princess Diana dies. Hasn't happened yet in this season. Got to wait yet another year for that. I'm just like, ugh, this is, this, this is too depressing. And as it gets closer, so this is funny. Um, there's one episode in there that deals with Diana's interview. 
and uh, a minor character in the whole thing is one of the uh, Queen Elizabeth's ladies in waiting whose husband is the chairman of the board of the BBC. So, you know, a bit of a connection there to the BBC when this whole thing is going down. And, you know, she's just this woman that is still alive and has been portrayed in the crown. And then, also in the year 2022, she's the woman that fucked up at the Buckingham Palace reception and asked a black English woman where she was really from when she said that she was from England. So this woman's just been a lady in waiting, the Queen Elizabeth and this old lady that just hangs out at Buckingham Palace now that Queen Elizabeth's dead for like 50 years. Nobody's ever heard of her. And then this year, twice, she's just like become like the object of attention. And she resigned her post, which is very sad. I mean, she deserved it. That was dumb. And she's obviously too old to like be doing that anymore. But it was kind of weird. Can you imagine? Like there's a lot of like normies in this show, like uh, Dodi Al-Fayed, they haven't, she hasn't, he hasn't even started dating Diana yet. Spoiler, she dates a guy. But he had a girlfriend before Diana, and she's in this, and I Googled her, and she's just like, she's out of the public limelight. She wants nothing to do with it. She's like a housewife in South Carolina now, and now she just has to deal with the fact that like Netflix made a show with her in it. And it's like, she has kids. She's just like, doesn't want people to know this about her. Like, it's just really weird. It's kind of like freaking me out a little bit as they get closer to now in time you know what i mean anyway uh snl ooh, there's an snl tonight that'll be fun uh wednesday we watch wednesday the what's his name <laughs> to tim burton uh it's great i thought it was gonna be bad i was like this should be a half hour show and it's just gonna be a dumb dumb teen thing with goth trappings which it is but it's good it's very well done and i enjoyed it and the music's really good. The music editor on it is my old friend Jen Malone, who's also the music editor on Euphoria. Old Bostonian was a publicist for uh, the aforementioned Betwixt, actually. So there's a little Betwixt connection there. She's great. Used to visit her out in L.A. She was awesome. Um, and we're Rick and Morty's back, so we're watching a little bit of Rick and Morty. But we are kind of between shows now. And I'm thinking we're going to watch His Dark Materials and that Whatever Sisters show on Apple next. But I'm not really sure. Movies, Out of the Blue, already talked about it. Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, already talked about it. Homicidal, already talked about it. And Black Adam, not a good film. I don't know, man. We'll see what happens with the DCEU now that uh, James Gunn is taking over. I enjoyed his DC outing with uh, Suicide Squad. was mediocre, but Peacemaker was great. This movie just made no sense. I mean, it made no sense. Like, there's now there's a Justice Society that's not the Justice League. I have watched all of the DC films. I don't know who these people are. I don't know what the Justice Society is. Like, I thought I've watched all the TV shows, too. Like, I don't even like it, but I keep watching it. But I'm confused. Who are these people? Who are these supposed superheroes we've never seen before? Where's Superman? Why is this happening? It just nothing makes any sense. <laughs> you know? Uh, and the effects are so weird. I mean, they have their own house style. It is distinct from from Disney, and they need to do that. So props for them for doing that. But like, it's so painterly and like pixely particle, not pixel. It's like painterly with particle effects, and it's very airbrushy, and it looks almost animated. There's some scenes where like, you know, something shoots up in the sky, and the sky turns red, right? That literally, the VFX on it just looked like animation. And I'm like, is that good? Is that bad? Is that a stylistic choice? Is that a budget? I, I just don't know. 
I just don't know. The pacing is too fast, but too slow. Nothing happens, but you're confused because they just, they're like, it's a trope. Go with it. And I'm like, okay, I get it's a trope, but can we at least go through the motions of the trope? Can you like show us the trope instead of just saying a trope happened? It's really weird. I don't know. I don't know why I watch them because I think The Rock is going to be president someday, I suppose. And he probably will be. He's, by the way, the only person that could beat Trump in the primary. My wife added two names to that. She thinks that, and I kind of believe it, Tim Allen could probably beat Trump in the primary. And Chris Pratt, was it Chris Pratt? One of the Chris's could probably beat Trump in the primary. The kind of crazy one, the one that's got the religious problems. I think that's Pratt, right? Because of the religious problems that Republicans could get into him. <laughs> Those are the only people that can beat Trump in the Republican primary. I don't want to talk about it. We'll stop. Uh, books. I... Read and finished, fast forward, Confessions of a Post-Punk Percussionist, Volume 2 by Stephen Morris, the drummer of Joy Division and New Order. I have mentioned previously Volume 1 of this book. Thank you, Gareth, for getting me Volume 1. Uh, volume 2, they're not a lot more, they're more available, readily available now than they were when Volume 1 came out and I was dying to read it. Um, so this one covers Joy Division, I'm sorry, this one covers New Order. First book covered Joy Division, up to Waiting for the Sirens Call. So it does not cover the last album. It does not cover post-hooky uh, New Order after Peter Hook left the band, which is understandable. You need a little distance. But, you know, that is 10 years of New Order, and I'm very curious about it. Um, but there was a lot of stuff in here I didn't know, which was really interesting. And, like, man, these dudes are just normal. You know, really, like, the thing that struck me about this book more than anything is just, like, a bunch of normal dudes that don't get along somehow make great music together. Uh, Jillian, too. But she's... Well, she's weird in her own way. They're all just kind of weird, but normal. And they're just like people, you know, they're just people. Not one of them is really even a creative genius, it seems like. And like, they're all kind of, Bernard's kind of mean. Hookie's kind of full of himself. Steven's kind of a schlub. Jillian's really quiet. But when they get together, they make amazing music. And then, you know, you feel it. Like, I actually think Music Concrete, the last New Order album, real New Order album, Lost Sirens and that stuff is all sort of outtakes. But um, I thought it was a great record. There's a four-song run in there that's as good as anything Norder's ever done. And that is without Hookie. So I guess, you know, um, maybe, you know, there is some magic there. But, like, really, like, early New Order, or especially when they just, they just wrote, they didn't even know where these songs came from. They just jammed them out, and they were always that good. And it's just crazy. Um, I did not know about how much uh, soundtrack music Stephen Morris has done, just and Jillian, so much. Um, but, you know, he's like a weird writer. He's, he's like, at one point, his child is like dying, and then he just never gives us another update on his child. I assume his child didn't die. Jillian's back in the band. That's why she left the band for a while. They tried all that health problems. But he just never like fills us in about it. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? It's a little weird. But uh, he did say there might be a volume three someday. I'd love a volume three to like finish out New Order. I actually am very curious about late period New Order. Um, and I really enjoyed his like sort of take on the Hacienda. I've read Peter Hook's book about the Hacienda and management of the Hacienda. There's a moment where they're like, look, the Hacienda is fucked. It needs more money. You can get out now. And different members of New Order took different approaches. And Steve and Jillian were like, we're out. And so like, you know, Peter doubles down on the Hacienda, tries to manage it. And he talks about all that in his book. And I'm like, when I was reading his book, I was like, yeah, you got to save the Hacienda. But now I'm reading this book and I'm older. And like, <laughs> I did. I'm just like, you made the right choice, Steve. You got out. Good for you. <laughs> uh, so I finished that, and then I read the appendices, The Return of the King. Oh, no, that was before. I told, talked about that last week, right? Let's check. Yeah, I talked about that before. Uh, and then I read this book called Capitalism Realism by Mark Fisher that 
some people in the Slack I belong to were talking about Mark Fisher and how he was taken from us far too soon. Apparently he committed suicide, but, and so I Googled him and I, you know, he looks like he doesn't admit he was an old blogger. He's English and he does a lot of blogging. He wrote for the quietest, which is a great magazine. I love the quietest. My friend Og writes for it. Just read an amazing interview with heavenly and the quietest that Og wrote. Well, did the interview. Um, but he also wrote this book called Capitalism Realism, which is a book about how like capitalism has taken over everything so completely nobody can even think of any alternatives anymore. And I was like, that's an interesting premise. And so I read it. It's only 80 pages, but it was it was too philosophical dense for me. And it didn't really it's not my style. I don't there are moments in the book where he made a point that I'm like, that is brilliant. And I under found myself underlining a lot, but I, I struggled to think of a thesis in the book beyond what I just told you. Uh, which is a very, a little Francis Fukuyama X, right? End of history. And he acknowledges that, but he says it's different because this is about capitalism, not about political paradigms. You can have capitalism with, you know, dictatorship and democracy and blah, blah, blah. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I hoped for something different from this book. And it's, it, it was interesting enough and short enough that it was fine with me, but it was not, not my jam. Ooh, man, I didn't think I was going to get to this to this weekend. I was drilling that hole through that steel for so long. I was like, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to get everything done this weekend. And I put off the podcast, but I made it. Thank you for listening. Drop a line. Tell me how you are. I will talk to you guys just before Christmas, I think. So have a lovely holiday and happy new year. Take care.